You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Aaron Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Today's show is all about our young people. Our guest today, our State Board of Education member, Tiffany Tilly, who will talk to us about the closure of Benton Harbor High School and the DPS lawsuit. And our second guest will be Oliver Gant, the man who's been on the forefront of the ATV issue in the city of Detroit. Um, Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. And so, Tiffany, tell us what is going on with Benton Arbor High and um, how the closure, at least from from my vantage point, looks a lot like um, what some people were worried about was going to happen with Belle Isle. Um, Benton Harbor's schools are gravely in debt. They uh, owe over a little over $16 million to the state of Michigan. And so um, I got wind a few months ago that Treasury was looking to charter Benton Harbor schools or dissolve them. Now, currently, Benton Harbor is under a consent agreement with the Michigan Department of Education because the legislature passed a new law, the A through F law, um, part of that law, it, it, it eradicates the consent agreement. So as of June 30th, that would no longer be viable. But they would then go back up in, under the partnership agreement with MBE. Um, the partnership agreement would give them a few years to actually turn their schools around as far as grades go. That would not help them with the financial part, they would also, um, it sounds like probably get a new superintendent who would then be able to work on, um, turning the schools around as far as the finances. Um, the treasury department is, and the governor's office is proposing to eliminate $11 million of that debt but only if they are willing to dissolve the high school. Hmm. Now, in that proposed plan, the high school, um, the students, there's about 700-something students um, currently in Benton Harbor High School, and there's only one high school. Um, They talk to the... um, They talk to the local college there who has agreed to set up a charter high school the charter high school would only have the capacity to house 250 students. They talked to surrounding superintendents in seven different communities who agree that children can come to those communities. So children would actually be split up. They would have to be bused mostly outside of their city and split up between eight different schools. Okay. The problem is the school board wasn't a part of this plan. 
Okay. And so with these 700 students, I mean, because of what I know about Benton Harbor, you're, you're talking about a, a majority, if not all black high school, um, where okay. 500 and some odd students will have to go to communities that um, are not representative of black folk. What what does that what is that going to mean? How what is it going to be in terms of how these students are going to be dealt with in these other districts? Because, you know, um, you know, there's a railroad track in, in Benton Harbor and that separates the people of color and the non people of color, um, you know, in, in that community. And so there always has been racial tension there. And so what is this going to mean in terms of all of these things that are going to happen? And has that really been discussed? You know, it's interesting that you ask that. I'm not sure if the governor's office or treasury has thought about that or discussed that. Um, But I was reading a post from a young adult who actually, you know, we have schools of choice. So there are some parents who choose or have felt forced to take their students outside of that district. And the young lady was posting about the racism that she um, encountered, even with her own teacher. And she said she had always been an A A and B student but it was impossible for her to get A and B grades in the school that she was transferred to. She said she was consistently getting Bs. And finally, she looked at a white student, one of her friends, um, at her paperwork, and they had the exact same answers, but different grades. Hmm. So, you know, that that type of, <laughs> situation is is very um alarming it's very alarming and there are the possibilities there's been racial tension there for generations yes so there there's the high possibility that those children will go to schools in those communities that you know where ra- racism still exists and have issues there because of it. But it's our community. They keep doing this because this is just a form of emergency management in my eyes. And they keep doing this to our minority communities, our impoverished communities. Oh, absolutely. So, I, mean, I mean, you're talking about a community that already went through emergency management within the city itself. So, you know, you, you know, going with, to the schools and doing the same thing with the schools. I mean, it's, it's very clear as to what's going on. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm asking the governor and the treasury department to give them other options and to include them in those options. The state board, um, we came out with a statement asking that they don't make any plans for Bitten Harbor without Bitten Harbor. Um, the mayor is actually having a press conference tonight at 6.30 in Benton Harbor, which I will be leaving for shortly. Um, and he's upset as well about the plan 
to close on one and only high school. I'm also asking that they eliminate the debt, keep that high school open, allow them to go under the partnership agreement, allow them, you know, time to get the new superintendent in and give them time to turn those schools around or the K through 12 system around in Harbor. Sure. And let, let, let me circle back to um, what I was talking about in, in, in my first question, um, because there are rumors that are floating around that are part of the reason why they want to get rid of um, Benton Harbor High School is because it is the last undeveloped land um, that is not – that could be potentially put into a resort. And as you recall with the whole uh, Belle Isle piece – um, that was one of the rumors that was out there that the state wanted to take over um, Belle Isle and eventually there was a plan that, that didn't go anywhere um, where they wanted to put uh, exclusive houses, you know, um, on on Belle Isle. And so talk to me a little bit about about that portion of what's going on and whether that rumor is real or not from your vantage point. You know, I I can't say that the rumor is true or not. I can say that that is prime real estate that that high school is on. It's beautiful land. Um, And and when the board members and I went, or a a few of our board members went to, um, we went up to Benton Harbor to the high school. We were walking across a small bridge over um, some flowing water, and we were just talking about how beautiful it was. So when I hear people say that, I go back to that moment of us standing there and, and looking out at the water and how beautiful beautiful the land is there. So it could be possible. <laughs> it is definitely prime real, real estate. They, I don't know if the state has plans. I don't know if there are developers who um, want plans um, for that location, I did make, I did ask the question because Highland Park was completely chartered. And I know that Highland Park, once they're completely out of their debt, they have the possibility of reopening their schools under traditional public schools. So I did ask the question, is that possible? Will they be able to reopen the high school? And I was told that they probably would want to sell the building because it is prime real estate. Sure. And so is this an effort in futility? I mean, if this is prime real estate, as you say, um, as you have eloquently stated, um, and they get rid of the building, um, are how much of an uphill battle are you all fighting in order to um, keep Benton Harbor a very historic school. Um, you're talking about the school of uh, several prominent basketball players. Uh, Sinbad is a graduate of that high school um, and several others. Um, what, what, is, what is going to happen next? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I know right now there's a community outcry. There's pushback. 
Um, there are activists. There are elected officials. There are voices from Benton Harbor down to Detroit. So from the from the west side of the state to the east side of the state that are against um, what's going on in Benton Harbor. So we have a new governor, um, and I think that Governor Whitmer is reasonable. So I am hoping that she will listen, you know, to all voices and and work with the city, work with the school board to develop other options. Okay that will be more viable for them. Okay. Switching gears. um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, the VP of your board of the board of education, um, siding with the illiteracy lawsuit um, against DPS and sort of talk to me about what's next um, and what you think could possibly happen um, with that, with that lawsuit or, or what's going to happen in that process? Well, it is a lawsuit, so I can't, I cannot go in depth about it. Um, I know that Pam Pugh came out against it. Um, I know that, or against what the, the governor's stance is. I know that attorney general Dana Nessel came out with another stance which I was waiting for. Um, I'm I'm going over other options as well. I'm going back and forth with the attorney, um, having more conversations with the attorney because I would like other options as well. Um, I do understand the governor's standpoint that, and and this part of it is not necessarily in the uh, in the document because it was in a lower court before, and so you can't really present things that weren't in the lower court. But um, things have changed since that lawsuit was filed. Um, there's no, there was, it was, it was the city, the school district, rather, was under emergency management at the time. They're no longer under emer- emergency management. Um, the A through F law has been passed through the legislature. Um the curriculum has been changed by Dr. Beatty. So I think that is, you know, those reasons and maybe a few other reasons is why the governor stood mute on that point. Also the fact that as much as we would like um, for that to be law, that they have right to literacy on a federal level and on a state level, Unfortunately, and it's disheartening that it's not, it it is not law that um, our students have a right to literacy. But with that being said, what other options are there that we can give them? Because their argument is very viable. For too long, our students have not had the opportunities that they that their counterparts have had, they have not had the curriculum, they have not had um, the advantages. And so I think now in 2019, we have, like I said before, we um, in, in my statement, we have a changing of the guard. So we need to do things 
differently to make sure that these kids have everything that they need so that they can be the very best they can be. And that starts with a strong foundation with reading and math. Okay. And um, before I let you go, um, can you give me your final thoughts on um, what is going on in terms of uh, Benton Harbor, your thoughts on Benton Harbor, your thoughts on uh, what is going on with illiteracy, the illiteracy uh, lawsuit against DPS and, and any other um, issue that's coming down the pike in terms of or down the pipe with um, uh, in terms of education in the state of Michigan and where where the state is in terms of education? I think that the community um, needs to continue to be vocal on this, these issues. I know different issues. I'm getting emails left and right. Um, I'm getting contacted left and right. I think that the governor that, you know, people standing up for Benton Harbor need to contact the governor's office because right now this is on the table, but this is not, um, this has not been, the you know, the, the dotted um, line has not been signed. <laughs> so, so we need to make sure that we are pushing back and we are being vocal and we are letting the governor, governor know that, hey, we are on the side of Benton Harbor. We are on the side of those children. We are on the side of the community and then having that high school there. Okay. That sounds great. Well, thank you, Tilly. Uh, listen to me, Tilly. Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, you yeah. coming on the show and, and sharing a little uh, insight as to what is going on um, with Benton Harbor. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting you back on with um, – with uh, an update of what's going on. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You do the Bye. same. Bye. And now on to our next guest, Oliver Gant. Uh, Mr. Gant has been on the forefront of the ATV issue uh, that's going on here in Detroit. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines. Thank you. Thank you all for having me here. Okay. Um, introduce yourself um, because I'm not so sure a whole lot of Detroiters uh, know who you are outside of, you know, the folks who have been, you know, watching, seeing you on TV and all that yeah. good stuff. Yes. Um, and and explain how you got involved uh, with this whole ATV issue. All right. My name is Oliver Gant. I'm a Detroit businessman and activist in the city of Detroit and abroad. Um, I first got involved with the ATV efforts for an ATV park after DeMond Grimes, the 15-year-old, was killed by uh, ex-Michigan State Trooper Mark Besner. Um his uh, sister's father called me the day after he was killed, and he actually had the idea to do a, a ATV park in memory of DeMond Grimes. But when they called and asked me to come out and lead the efforts for it, you know, it kind of left me standing out there. So I continued the efforts all the way up until this point to where we are right now. Um, so basically, that's how I got on board with respect to, you know, the okay. ATV park. And so you said— where we are, where we are now, where are we now? Well, right now, in terms I think of in terms of your work and your activism, we're revisiting the efforts for the ATV park now in light of uh, what's been happening on the news lately with these guys in ATVs. Um, you know, we have sought out the land bank, you know, talked with several people in the past uh, when DeMond Grimes was killed and things of that nature about the idea for the park. And we were trying to secure a certain parcel of land over there on Frankfurt and Connors, which is adjacent to Chandler Park. 
And at that time, they didn't know whether the city owned the land or whether it was privately owned or whether the land bank owned it. At one time, the city owned it. So they don't know who the land belongs to. Somebody knows. However, the, the land is still vacant, and it's virtually becoming a dump site right now. But um, that's just one parcel of land. We got a lot of land around the city of Detroit, a lot of vacant land around the city of Detroit. So I think uh, with the right resources and the right people coming behind us, I think we should be able to secure some of this land around the city of Detroit to be able to put an ATV park together for these guys out here. Okay. Um. So 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 let's 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 keep it real for a minute. Um. Last week, a young man was killed on the ATV and struck a pole and died. Mm-hmm. So. Keeping it real, what's really going on in these streets with these ATVs? And what is this really about? Um, because at least from my vantage point, um, it's about young people um, or folks in the community who have uh, limited things to do. Um, and when you have limited things to do, you drive an ATV or you cruise down Seven Mile or you cruise down Gratiot or whatever the case may be. And so talk to me a little bit about you know, what is really going on? Okay. For me, talking with a lot of these young men that ride these ATVs out there, first of all, they ride them because they keep them out of trouble. It keeps them, as they would tell you, if you had any of them sitting here before you now, it stops them from committing crimes in the city of Detroit. It stops them from committing murders and robbing people and breaking in people's houses and stealing cars and things of that nature. So a lot of these young men have stories behind why they ride these four-wheelers in the city of Detroit. So for that reason, I'm more inclined to still help these guys. Um, I'm going to say, piggybacking a little bit, that Chief Craig gave the guys a pass, you know, after DeMond Grimes was killed, when he put the no-chase policy out. Not only did he issue the no-chase policy with respect to the guys on the four-wheelers, but he still gave them a pass and allowed them to ride around the city, even though they might be perceived to be illegal because they're off-road vehicles. He gave them a pass, and the guys weren't doing nothing but having fun. That's mostly what they're doing. They're having fun on these four-wheelers. That doesn't mean that it's uh, fun in a way in which somebody can't get hurt, as we see it happens. Um, so my thing now, I think since Mark Besner was sentenced to 5 to 15 years for murdering DeMond Grimes or tasing him on that four-wheeler, I think the guys just— just, just, just me. I'm not saying that it is, but I think some of them just got a little excited with respect and said, "Hey, let's get out there and have fun." And I think the uh, the trouble came behind them taunting the police, as we all saw in the news and things of that nature. The young man doing the donuts next to the police car, right. and that became a problem. Uh, and that also caused Chief Craig to state what he stated with respect to if you guys taunt the police, we're taking your ATVs. Now, I'm for law enforcement. Also, I'm for right. I'm for us having something to do. So I can't take sides in this situation. So I said I agree with what Chief Craig said with respect to taking your ATVs or four-wheelers if you are taunting the police, uh, as they did. Here's the thing. They're not going to chase these guys. They're going to wait till they pull over. They have a helicopter that they have assigned to follow these guys on these four-wheelers and things of that nature. So when these guys pull over, that's when they're going to pull up. They're not going to ask questions. They're going to take them, and they're going to take them right there on the spot. So my thing, you know, and going to the young man that hit the curb and— uh killed itself. That was tragic. Yes. Um, amen. I, I will say to this that I just thank God that he wasn't being chased on that four-wheeler or there wasn't a police interaction behind what happened with that young man on that four-wheeler. Um, so, you know, that still, it, it heightened my efforts to want to get back out here now and say, okay, we got to move forward on this four-wheeler, this ATV park. Um, so, you know, that's just my take on what's going on with it. Okay. So, so do you want one park or do you want two or is it, I mean, because, I mean, 
help me to understand it because because at least from the media pers- perspective that I am getting, mm-hmm. um, it seems as if it's only relegated on the east side. But that may not necessarily be true. And so that, that would lend to that there needs to be something on the east side as well as something on the west side. And so talk to me a little bit about, you know, whether there's a need citywide in terms of having um, uh, ATV parks or several of them. Or is it just relegated on one side of town? We don't want it just to be relegated to the east side of Detroit. Because I think the majority of these guys riding these four-wheelers are coming from Southwest and the Brightmore District. Okay. So we have land in both areas. We have Southwest, we have the Brightmore District, and we have the east side of Detroit. We have a lot of land. So when I was pushing for it, it was specifically for the east side first because of the demand grime situation. Okay. So that's why that came about. Um, however, like you said, and I, I think we need several. You know, we have enough land in the city of Detroit for several. Um, you know, and so my, my pitch is for several. Let's get one done. Let's give an example or a model and then let's go and create a couple more. Okay. You know. And so with these ATV parks, I mean, is it something that is going to be a money making venture or is it something that's going to be open like a dog park? Well, we definitely don't want it to be open like a dog park because we're going to have liability. You sure. know, that's one of the big things they might say. But still, you know, we got everything else. You're building these parks like Dan Gilbert boasted of doing 53 parks in the city of Detroit. And his words were, parks is what I'm good at doing. So if parks is what he's good at doing, let's do this one park. Let's, we're going to make it where we not just want to have guys come and assemble, but we want to put a training facility in there. Okay. We want to sell ATV accessories for these guys. You know, I mean, and I'm for black business also. So I want to state that I would like to see a black owned and operated ATV business or a lot of young men from the area of Detroit and abroad working at a place like that where they're not just riding these ATVs or just assembling at a park and being together and having fun. But at the same time, they could be learning things. They could be selling things, you know. So, you know, it's my hopes that, like I said, we can do several ATV parks. And at the same time, we can turn it into a place where they can pay to come and have fun at the same time. And, um, you know, they'll never know that it would be a good thing until we put it together. I believe it would be a great thing for the city of Detroit. Okay. And so... Um, obviously you, you've expressed what your plans are. Um, when is it going to be time for you to go to city officials, maybe the city council, maybe the mayor, um, to take action on some of the things that you're proposing and, or have you, um, approached some council members about, um, about your plans? Well, I knew when, when, like I say, piggybacking to the mine grounds when this incident first occurred, uh, several people won't say any names came out. And expressed after I came out and said, okay, let's do this, that they wanted to do it. But none of them ever followed up. So now that we have revisited the ATV situation, uh, me and some of the people that I'm working with are in the process right now of putting some proposals and paperwork together to present to city council, uh, Mayor Mike Duggan. And um, prior to Dan, Dan Gilbert uh, having his stroke uh, last Thursday evening, you know, I did two interviews with Channel 2 and Channel 4, if I can say that. Um you're allowed to say it today. Thank you. Uh, so I did two interviews, and I had mentioned that one of the individuals that I wanted to talk to personally was Dan Gilbert because Dan Gilbert is a very resourceful person. And uh, whether he would back the ideal or not, I think he would lead us in the right direction. And so for that reason, I wanted to reach out to Dan Gilbert. Uh, they didn't air because, he, to me, he went in the hospital at night, so that kind of changed a lot of things. And 
so it's my hopes that one day I'll be able to talk with him or somebody like him. We need somebody that's resourceful, somebody that can make things happen. So definitely I'll be going to the Detroit City Council as well as to Mayor Mike Duggan, and I want to hold him to his words that parks are what he do, and uh, let's get this ATV park in the city of Detroit. So, so is this a situation where folks are just not connecting with what young folks are doing? Um, because at, at at one point, way back when, when I was a young man, a yeah. teenager, um, adults couldn't understand hip hop, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, and so, is it that adults can't understand what the ATV culture is? Um, because if you're, you know, if you're out in Cali, yes, you know, that's big out in Cali, yes. right? I understand that. But I'm not in a position to be able to help anyone either. Let me yes. be clear. Um, so is this a situation where we just have um, older folks who are just not connecting with um, the young folks and in, in the culture of the ATV community? I think that some of the older folks aren't in tune with it. And I base that in light of the trial that I went through with DeMond Grimes, uh, set through two trials. The first trial, I just paid attention to the makeup of the jury. And that told me something about the demographic the age uh, group and things of that nature with respect to understanding ATVs and ATV culture. Um, so I think now, and to say that, I think that we should still push forward because like anything else, in order for them to really understand it and to truly appreciate what it's really about, we have to just set it in motion. They have to see that it's not a harmful thing, that it is harmless, and that it would be better for all of us if we just had a safe place because like myself, I'm, I'm almost – Half a century. So my thing is that. Join the club, brother. Thank join, you. <laughs> join the club. Join the club. Yeah. So, so my thing is that we educate them. We talk about it. We let the elders and the older people hear about the culture and what it's about, you know, and just let them, you know, just rest knowing that it's a safe thing. Let them know that we're really striving to stop these guys from being on the streets and making them feel like it's not a safe place to be. Uh, so it's a lot behind this. So I think the more and more we talk about it, the more and more that the older people will be able to understand it and glean from whatever is put out in a good way, not the negative, that, okay, so they can rest easy knowing that they got somebody out here that's going to make sure that with this ATV culture and us making the efforts to get these parks, that you got somebody that's going to make sure that you're going to be able to drive down the street safely without having to have somebody run into you or seeing a police chase or seeing somebody flip. Uh, accidentally killing themselves and so on and so forth. You know, we just want to provide these places. And I think that once these places and even one is uh, provided first, that even older people will have a different outlook about what they really don't understand. Uh, that's my take. So we just need to educate them. We need to keep it out there. We need to keep forging ahead and we need to make this come to fruition. Yeah. I mean, and, and how how important is the dialogue between both segments so that you do have that understanding um, about about the culture, about what they do, about why they're riding, about when they're riding and all of that kind of stuff. Well, from my understanding right now, there is really no dialogue to the point to where the elders, you're giving us this dialogue right now. You're giving us the opportunity to have this dialogue with your platform right now. Um, we need more platforms for them to be able to have the dialogue to talk to the community about the ATV culture. You know, we talk about everything else. We talk about the music. We talk about cars. We talk about other businesses. Let's talk about the ATV culture with respect to not just the elders, but to the young folk as well. I think if they heard more about the ATV culture, they will have more understanding about the ATV culture, whether they like it or not. You know, they will at least have some understanding about it. So 
with platforms like yours, it's allowing that opportunity to communicate it. Um, whenever I have the opportunity, whether I'm dealing with the media or anything of that nature, and I have these guys around me, I give them the opportunity to speak for themselves because they're the ones riding these four-wheelers. You know, it's their stories that will enliven and tell the people why they ride them and what the culture is really about, you know. And um, I see it everywhere. It's not just in Michigan. Uh, you know, Philly, for instance, you know, where the young man Meek Mill got in trouble at, you know, for riding his four-wheeler. Right. And the lady locked him up. Uh, it's like what I don't want to see here in Michigan is what they're doing in Philly. And this is what they're essentially starting. But they're not started because they want to. They started because these guys opened up that door to allow them to do that, you know. So it's my hopes that these guys will continue to ride the ATVs respectfully, you know. I don't think Chief Craig totally wants to take them off the street, but he has made it clear if you act a certain way, we're going to act a certain way. So in essence, he still gave them a little pass. Sure. You sure. know, and I respect that. You know, I hadn't had opportunity to sit with Chief Craig yet personally, which is I do intend to, you know, to talk about it because I want to see the guys have fun. I don't want to see the guys resorting to crime. You're taking their four-wheelers, yes. They can afford them, but when you put them in these tow yards and things of that nature, now they got to pay to get them back. Then they got to go through all this other stuff. But I understand you set an example at the same time. So I hope that the example doesn't have to be as loud as, as it has gotten. You know, so I would like to see these guys continue to ride, but to be more respectful, respect to the pedestrians and the drivers out there on the street. Sure, absolutely. And, and we certainly want you know, them to be safe and, and folks that are on the road and that are driving mm -hmm. to feel comfortable in their neighborhoods and That's to be right. able to drive down the street as well. And I think everybody wants a kind of happy medium yes. between that as well. Yes, sir. Um, talk to me a little bit about the urgency with this. I mean, because the summer months are coming. Mm -hmm. It's getting hotter. It's going to get warmer. Yes. And folk, more and more folks are going to be out there. Um, you're going to see folks on there, you know, motorcycles out there. Yes. Um, you're going to see the car clubs out there. Yes. Um, you're going to see people cruising Gratiot. Like I said, mm -hmm. they're going to cruise seven mile. And, yes. and so, you know, they're going to be at Chandler Park. Yes. Folks going to be at Chandler Park. Yes. Folks going to be at, folks going to be at Rouge. Yes. And so talk to me a little bit about the urgency of, of, yes. Getting on the front end of this now before summer before summer jumps off and it really gets off the hook. I think it's like a nine one one type situation right now. Uh, I think it's like it's it's like a loud gong right now. It's so urgent that the city and those who have the resources get behind this project right now to the tune that, like you said, if they don't, the guys are still going to ride. It's it's. Too many of them for you to assemble and have police chasing all these guys and following these guys, and they don't want that. The guys don't want it. The city of Detroit doesn't want it. The citizens doesn't want it. It's urgent now. If they would just come out and say, hey, we're going to consider this. We have land. Donate the land. Tell me, hey, I don't have a problem going out doing whatever it takes to put these things on paper, to going out getting the people that can design these parks and things of that nature to the scale that it will be reflected for somebody in the inner city. You know, we don't want the whole mass. We don't want it like out there in Tennessee and places like that. We don't have all that rural land to that degree where we can make it a, a real hardcore ATV park. But we got enough land to where we can go and do what need to be done so these guys can feel the impact and the power of these ATVs and do the things that they do in that type of environment or that type of setting. So it's urgent. It's very urgent. You know, I don't think it can get no louder than what it's gotten right now. I think right now in Detroit, the ATV craze is basically taking over the airwaves and the news and the media right now, and it's only going to get bigger. 
Okay. You know. And 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 while we're at it, how many folks are we talking about? I mean, are we talking about 100 guys? Are we talking about 500 guys? I mean, how many folks and girls? I'm sorry. Yes. Let me, let me be clear. Uh, yes. I don't want to sound sexist on the air because <laughs> the sisters do yeah. their thing too. Yes, they right? do. Yes, and they so do. how many, you know, how many folks, uh, you know, you don't have to give an exact number, but how prevalent is it in Detroit? It's very, we're in the hundreds. Okay. And that's just with one sect alone. Right. Now, mind you, it's a culture. Sure. So not only do we have Detroit, but these guys are so organized with what they do to a certain degree that they have guys coming in from other states on their four-wheelers. You know, so it can grow as many as a 1,000 ATVs together assembled at one time. You know, and again, they're only riding and they're getting together. They're having fun. They're organizing just like you said, like the car clubs, the van clubs, and so on and so forth. So the numbers can be very high. Okay. You know, it's just that when we see like when they confiscated six ATVs last week is because that was a small group of guys, you know, that just happened to be together. And for whatever happened to cause the police to say, hey, let's pull them over and take them. That's what happened in that instance. But these numbers range in the hundreds and higher. OK. Yes. Sir. And so what's next? What is what is on your agenda next and what what is going to um, occur in the ATV activism world right now uh on my agenda next week i plan on presenting something to both like i said mayor mike duggan's office as well as the detroit city council and i plan on doing a a press release um uh so i'm going to send it out put a blast out and um you know we'll see where we go from there but it's going to be talked about you know and i would tell them not to be surprised if they see me with a couple of hundred guys behind me on atvs you know because i do support the guys and like i say i support rightness you know, and so that's what's going on right now. So I'll keep you abreast of what's going on, and I'm certain you'll be watching and uh, listening as well. But uh, right now, we're going to lead that charge for this land. We want some of this land. Mike Duggan says that parks is what he does. He said he's done 53 parks in the city of Detroit, although they're for the kids. Let's take some of this land. You talked about this land and the land bank and things of that nature during your conference today. You know, so let's talk about some of this land for ATV Park. Let's see how fast you get on this particular type of park since parks is what he does. Okay. So that's where we're at right now. All right. Well, um, give us your final thoughts on this whole ATV issue. Um, What needs to be done? Um, And any other things that you can discuss or that that you may have uh missed out in terms of discussing in terms of uh this whole ATV I call it the ATV craze that's right that's going on um and all of that stuff well my thoughts is that well I really want to see this come to to pass and again because I was called out for the mind grimes first before we got to this point and so I would still like to see that part be in memory of the mind grimes first while we're pushing forward for these efforts for these parks. I would like the city of Detroit to come forth and say, hey, we want to back this project like they did when DeMond Grimes was first killed. And I started talking about it and they came out and put it out saying, hey, we're going to see about doing this. So I want to hold them to their words. You know, I want to I want to see this really come to fruition, not just for DeMond Grimes and his family, but for all these guys that ride these ATVs. I think that'll be a big plus for the city of Detroit and all these ATV riders. I think the guys will be more respectful to know that they got somebody standing behind them and as well as the city standing behind them to allow them this opportunity to have a place to come and assemble. Um, so aside from that, you know, I'm just hoping to get with people who design ATV parks. Uh, like I say, that 
uh, we get the resources and somebody can lead us into the right direction and we can get some people that can come in and say, hey, we can do this and it's safe. And at the same time, we can make it for however, you know, for whatever the cost may be, you know, we're not going to worry about the cost. Let's put it together and let's see what happened from there. You know, just like they just got this deal for Chrysler over here. They sat down at the round table and they brokered this deal and they made it where people can come and get jobs. Let's make it. And again, ATV parks will allow people to have jobs. It will allow these young men and women to have jobs. So it's it's a lot behind this. It's not just a park where somebody can come sit down and park like Chandler Park or Belle Isle or somewhere like that. This is a place where it's also a business, you know. So, you know, let's let's just move on it and uh, let's hope that we can make it do what it's supposed to do and, you know, give another another gold star to the city of Detroit for doing something great. Okay. I know that I said this was the, the final question, but I do have one more. Yes, sir. How important is it for uh, the writers to, for, to have folks that have their back? I mean, how, how important is that? It's very important because these writers need to know that they got somebody that got their back because I did get caught once those four-wheelers were taken, you know, and I have to tell you, in light of what I've seen personally, now mind you, even though I'm an activist and I'm out there and I'm for the community, if I don't agree with a position, I won't stand on that position. I didn't like what I saw, and it almost made me put my hands up. Truth be told, I, I was in my salon, and I raised my hands up like, I can't get behind that. And so I had to sit back, and I'm an objective person. So I did get a call about that situation, and I just sat back, and I waited to see what would happen next. And so it's very important that they know they got somebody that's towing the line for them, but at the same time, they got to help the individuals that's helping them. All right. Well, thank you, Oliver. I appreciate you. Uh, coming on Beyond the Headlines today. And um, as this thing moves forward, we're certainly going to bring you back and, and we'll, yes. we're going to have some more dialogue. And maybe next time uh, we'll have a writer in here yes. so that I can get uh, their, their perspective, perspective on, on what's going on as well. Yes, sir. We can make that happen. I appreciate you calling and I appreciate being here. And look forward to coming to see you again. That sounds great. Well, that's it for another episode of Beyond the Headlines. And we'll check you out next week. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.